We're so excited to spend some time with you today on the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. And I am Rhonda. And it's our hope that you would feel like we are with you wherever you are right now, having a real life conversation about life in all its beauty and in all its mess. We believe that God wants to open our eyes to an awakening moment that will help us thrive in every part of our being. So we invite you on this adventure with us as we listen, learn, and grow together. Well, I have a fun topic for us to talk about today. Um, we just did our six-minute messages, and my, the, the topic for my message, my six-minute message, oh my goodness, so, so hard. hard. Oh, so hard was spiritual conflict. Oh, wow. That's okay. a loaded one. That is a loaded message. Exactly. Now, obviously, you can't unpack all of spiritual conflict in, um, or spiritual warfare, spiritual conflict in six minutes. But um, as I was studying for this six-minute message, oh, I am just convinced more and more and more that we are living in a different time than once was. Um, not that things have changed from how they always were, but that there really is a greater awareness of the spiritual realm, of the supernatural realm, and of what is taking place in the world and the impact that that has on us every single day. And I feel like, for the most part, most of us live unaware of the spiritual realm. And that could be for a couple of reasons. That could be because we don't really believe in it. Like maybe we believe in it if we really think about it, but we really don't want to acknowledge it because it's something that we can't understand. The other thing is, to be honest, we're just so focused and distracted about the physical realm. We live in the physical realm. We can see the physical realm. We experience the physical realm every single day, right? That just the realm of the natural flesh and blood, like that's what we live in. That's what we're able to see. That's what we're able to engage in, how we feel, what we can taste, what we can touch. And so this is a distraction from the spiritual realm that we cannot see, but we certainly can see its effects, but we cannot see it. And so because we cannot see it, it's hard to understand, it's hard to grasp, and mostly it's hard to acknowledge. And I think that this is part of the ploy of the enemy. I think the enemy loves that we choose not to acknowledge the spiritual realm. Because if we don't acknowledge the spiritual realm or the effects of the spiritual realm or the effects of the realm of darkness, of demons, of the work of the enemy, of the work of darkness in our lives first, but also in the world... If we don't acknowledge it, then we are unaware of how it's affecting us. Mm. And I think this, he loves it that way. I think he absolutely loves it that way. And I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, for we walk in the flesh, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. Corinthians says right there, the, the world we're living in, the world we walk in, is the world of the flesh. It's the world of the tangible. It is. But we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. There are powerful verses all throughout the scripture, starting at the very beginning to the very end of the scriptures that reference and that remind us that there is a spiritual realm that is just as real as this one that we live in, that we cannot see, but that has an effect on how we walk and live out our faith. And so I think it's an important topic to talk about. I absolutely think it is. Because even as you're saying that, it says in the Bible, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So what we see on the natural realm happens first in the spiritual realm. It's not the opposite way. It happens spiritually and it moves from here. Like it, we see the ramifications of what's happening in the spirit realm from the 
like after the, the natural secondary, but we live in the natural. So it feels very primary. It's what we see. It's what we experience. But you're right, Lori, like what we see, do not see is more powerful than what we see. And so walking in that, not out of fear, but in that heightened awareness that it matters. It matters when you pray. It matters how you live. It matters the integrity you walk with. It matters the authority you walk in through the blood of Jesus Christ. It matters because there is a principality that's ruthlessly out, like we've said since the beginning in Genesis, to take out the plan of God and does not live as a defeated foe. That Even that thought like, oh, he's a defeated foe. Yes, he's a defeated foe because of the, what Jesus has done, but he doesn't live in defeat. His pride is so great. He feels he can thwart whatever the word of God has said and will has prophesied to come. Even in Revelation, the devil believes he's going to change that whole story and he is going to win as a victor. He still believes that. And so it matters how we press into the spiritual realm because that is actually where victory is found. Yes. Yeah. No, it's so true. Yeah. You are so right on that. And, you know, I think the, a caution that I want to have even having this, this conversation mm -hmm. is, you know, we talked about, you know, the side of sort of just being unaware, just mm -hmm. literally being unaware or maybe even not believing in it um, in the realm of the spirit or the power of the realm of the spirit. Um, I think for a lot of us, you know, we, we reference even what we see in media or this fantasy world, like that, the, the world of demons and angels and, and the spiritual realm sort of in our minds is sort of like what we see on TV in a fantasy movie or something like that. Um, and so in that way, we, we think of it as make-believe, but it's not. It's very, very, very real. But the other side of that where there's a caution is that we, and, and I also believe that this is a ploy of the enemy. Um, he loves when we don't believe in him, but he also loves when we get hyper fixated. So true. So I think there's a caution in this that, you know, we have to keep our, our um, curiosity maybe or our fixation on the realm of the spirit under the lordship of Christ. And Christ is over and more powerful mm -hmm. than any works of darkness, 100%. But the truth is that the works of darkness are more powerful than us without Christ inside of us, mm -hmm. just us in our own strength, just man. So we have to acknowledge there is a hierarchy here, but when we have Christ, we're brought up into that more powerful category where we have all authority over the works of darkness. And so we have to remember that, but we can get hyper fixated mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the realm of the spirit and on angels and demons and interacting and understanding and, you know, sort of sensing that a demon is in everything bad that has happened mm -hmm. to us or that's happening in the world. And that is not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. So I do want to, I do want to acknowledge that. And I just want to put a caution out too, that even as um, maybe an awareness begins to come for you, or even if the Lord starts to give you eyes to see things differently, just be careful because the enemy is in there and he wants to take advantage of that. And if he can get you hyper fixated on the wrong things, seeing demons under everything, what's going to happen is you're not going to see God. Mm. You're going to see all the works of darkness and you're going to focus on all of the enemy attacks that are happening to you. And you're going to forget the authority that you're walking in in God and, and the protection mm. um, that God has over his people. And so, yes, we live in a world that is broken. Yes, this is a world that is sinful. Both we commit sin, we're also sinned against, and there's just sin in the world, and there's temptation, and all of that stuff is real. But we want to put way more emphasis on our worship of God, on who God is, on his authority, on what he's given us, than we do giving credit to the enemy. And so we have to hold this in a real, like a genuine tension and not get into like crazy... <laughs> That's wise counsel, right? Absolutely, because yeah. we've seen that. We've seen it where that can happen. It's like, no, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Like Amen. Jesus has overcome. And, you know, even at, in past podcasts, we've talked about crushing snakes. And we, we do it in a way to say we are not out. And I just want to say this because even as we talk about that, we're not demon hunters, like going out and finding. That is not at all our commission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The commission that Jesus gave us is top. That's what we're called to do. But when the enemy crosses the bloodline, amen. when he crosses the bloodline and we have a discernment as warriors of God and we see him crossing into territory, 
we, we can recognize the Holy Spirit, we crush snakes because he's given us the authority. But we don't go out looking for that to, like, to stir things up. That's not the call of a Christian. That has never been. But when the bloodline is crossed, when he comes into a territory and there's that discernment, it's meant to crush and to take authority in the name of Jesus Christ and to move in the victory of the cross. Like you're saying, it's always elevating the power of Jesus Christ the power of what he has done through his name. And so I just want to echo that too, because we often say crushing snakes. And that's like really passionate to us because yes, we're not, we're taking new territory. We're walking into new places. And with that, there's often a resistance. There is resistance. And so I think as you're even saying that, when you hear us saying crushing snakes, we're saying, listen, if they're crossing into our territory that God has given us, we're crushing that. That's right. And so I love that counsel you've given because that is really the wisdom of God. It really is the wisdom of scripture too. And that's doctrinally sound. That's, we got to go back to what God is telling us to do, number one. And that's not the primary. He's saying, when this happens, this is what you do. I've given you authority, but the highest call is to elevate the name of God and to worship him and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. But That's we would be highest. foolish if we don't acknowledge the realm Absolutely. of the the dark of the realm of darkness, the realm of the spirit, um, what's taking place, and the influence that it has yes. on us. We'd be foolish not to acknowledge it at all. But we also are foolish to put too much emphasis on it. So good at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can use the scriptures as a as an example. How much of the scriptures focus us and teach us about who God is, and how much of the scriptures focus us and teach us about who the enemy is? It's there. Yes. But the focus is. It's like 99 to 1. <laughs> like, so in our spiritual lives too, 99% of the time we should be thinking about God and 1% about. So again, we want to, that's not an accurate, <laughs> that's so not an good. accurate percentage, but I'm just saying, right? Scripturally, God wants us to, to focus on who he is. And so the devil, he has one plan in mind since the very, very beginning of time. And that is that he wants all the glory. He wants to be like God. The devil was a fallen angel. He was in heaven. He's a created being. God created him. And he fell. He wanted to be like God. Pride filled his spirit. And he wanted to be like God. And and that's his goal. He wants to be exalted over everything else. He is filled with pride. And his plans for us are to separate us from God by ultimately destroying us, but he wants to steal and rob and ultimately bring destruction to us. And, and it's not necessarily physical in our physical realm, but it is to rob us from the very blood of Jesus that is our redemption and our salvation. He wants to steal that life and destroy that life from us because he wants our worship. He wants our praise. He wants to be our Lord and our master. And James 4, 7 says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And so, again, all through the scriptures, there's an acknowledgement that there is a persistent force of darkness that's coming against us, that's trying to rob the very salvation that we have in Christ, the redemption that we have in Christ. But there's also always in scripture, God gives us a way. He gives us a way out. And this is very, very powerful. Submit yourself to God. And submission comes, you know, we've talked about submission before, comes with humility. It comes with laying things down. It comes with dying to ourself. Submission is no like small thing, but we have to be submitted to God. And when we're completely submitted to God, then we can resist the devil from that position in Christ and he will flee. He has no, he has no actual power. And so we have to remember that when we're even feeling overcome or overwhelmed, we must submit to God and we must resist the temptation to again be sucked into the very thing who he is. And so the realm of the spirit, it operates under a sort of a legal system. There's, there, there's a system, there's an order to the realm of the spirit. And so our spiritual enemy has access to the things that we give him access to. And that manifests in our life through sin through habitual sin, um, sometimes through the things that other people do to us through hurt and pain that happens to us, and sometimes just for absolutely no reason at all. And we can see examples of this all through the scriptures. We can see examples of the consequences of sin. We can see the examples of the consequences of habitual sin. We see the consequences of hurts that have come towards us. We also see the consequences of through no fault of anybody, just literally 
the, the work of darkness. Mm. We see all of those, and we see examples of that all through the scripture. And so, again, as he gets legal access to different parts of our life, as he begins to work and has his way in different parts of our life, he comes and wants to rob and kill and destroy and, and suck the very gifts and the very grace that Jesus has given us. And I think sometimes what happens when it comes to this, this conflict that, that we're all facing is that we fail to recognize our participation with the realm of darkness, how we actually invite and allow darkness to have its way every time that we're disobedient to the word of God. Now, I'm not saying every time we're disobedient, a demon comes in. That's not what I'm saying. But every time we're disobedient to the word of God, we are actually inviting darkness to have its way. How many times over the last year or two have you and I talked about, I give you this day of choice, choose death or life. Choose good and evil. Make your choice. You can choose. But what you choose is exactly what is going to be manifest in your life. There's going to come consequences of the choices that we make. And that's our personal participation with this realm of the spirit. The scriptures literally say that our flesh, which is sort of our sinful self, and our spirit are at war. They're at war within us. And I don't think that language is an exaggeration. I think literally if we could see into the spiritual realm, I think it would be like a full-on battle movie mm-hmm. happening. Yes, it would. <laughs> like, like right yep. on our shoulder. Yes. <laughs> like right over us mm. all the time, trying to get into our thoughts, trying to get into our behaviors, trying to get into our emotions and our feelings. Try- and there's this war, a, an all-out battle that's happening in the spirit. And that's the words of scripture. I'm not saying that, but I don't think that's extreme. I think that's exactly, I think that's true language. And we need to, we just need to recognize that that's taking place. Galatians 5 says, but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So good. Even just piggybacking on that, Lori, that scripture in Colossians 2, verses 13, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to a cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So even as you're saying that, even talking about even the power of sin that it can have, the cross disarmed the power of the enemy because our sins were cut away. The cross literally has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. It has removed it. But we give power to the enemy when we begin to walk. We're talking specifically about sin here. When we begin to walk in sin, we give power back to the enemy to have a bit of like a heyday, to have some dominion. And that is exactly what God is saying. Like when you're talking about don't walk in the flesh. Like I've taken care of that through the cross. I've already disarmed the enemy. Don't give back power to the enemy. I've disarmed it. So even in scripture, as it's powerful to watch scripture interpret scripture, that's what God is actually saying to you. Like I've disarmed the powers I've disarmed through the cross. So don't give back, don't give that back. Stand in that whole, that hell position of victory. What a beautiful picture. These two scriptures together. Beautiful. Of Jesus taking all the weapons of the enemy. So if there, if you imagine this little battle scene playing mm. out over your life, but Jesus through the cross has literally taken all of his weapons away. He has no weapons with which to fight. Yes. And the only way he can get a weapon back is if we put it in his hands. That's it. Through disobedience. That's, That's it. That's the only way. Now, again, what we're not saying here is that every time that you sin, you know, that the enemy, you know, comes inside of you and you, That's right. you know, all, you know, you know, you're filled with a demon or anything like that. But if there's a habitual sin in your life and if there's a habitual sin that you cannot get free from, there's probably a work of darkness 
inside of you, a stronghold. Would we call that a demon? I would. Yes. I, yes. I would. Yes. Now, a lot of people don't like that word. They yeah. feel like, what? Listen, it's just a part of the realm of the spirit. And you've invited that. <laughs> you've invited that darkness inside of you by habitually being disobedient to God's word. Again, this is just <laughs> what the scriptures say. I know this makes us uncomfortable, but this is the spiritual conflict that is taking place. Now, we have authority. Yes, Jesus we do. has already given us the answer. Amen. So we don't have to be afraid of that. And we can, br- what did I just read at the very, very beginning? We have powerful weapons to break the spiritual, the spiritual strongholds. How? The weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. This is the authority that we have in Christ. Totally. Lori, I want to go back to that. Even when you're talking about, you know, when you have a stronghold, and someone may be listening and thinking, do I have a stronghold? How, like, you, you, you explained it very well. If there's a habitual sin that you are up... You cannot get free from. No, you just cannot walk in front of you. You've repented of it. You've talked about it. And you just keep falling into that. It most likely is a stronghold. And is that a demonic entrance point? Absolutely. So in looking at it, we heard a really good teaching about that. Just to kind of bring that back. Your heart is like a house. When you're a Christian, because when we grew up, we didn't really understand. Like, how could a demon have any authority in your heart if you're a Christian. Like we were taught like that can't happen, but actually can. Because if you think of your your heart like a house, yep. God owns your heart when you give your life to Christ. That's what happens. God becomes the owner of your house. But we can have rooms in our house that can be occupied with squatters, as we call them, which yeah. is demonic strongholds. And that can be an area in your house that you have allowed through habitual sin that the window to be open and demonic squatters are kind of occupying that space and there's no, they're taking over and they're making a mess and ruling and reigning. And what needs to happen, we talk about a stronghold is literally freedom where we kick them out, we confess, we have a kicking out Mm -hmm. and we close that door and we open the door to the floodgates of light to fill it up. But that is what it looks like. You can have that as a Christian. You can have a stronghold. Does that mean you're not a Christian or you don't love God? No, your home is owned by God. But it can mean you have areas in your life that are occupied, that need to be defeated through the power of the cross. So just bringing that back, I think that was a really, that was a profound image for me when I was thinking through freedom ministry and strongholds. And I had a stronghold in my life. I had that in my life where I really felt there was an area of unforgiveness I just couldn't let go of. And for whatever reason, it, I confessed it, I talked about it. I, I wanted rid of it. I, and I kept, every time I would be in this certain situation or relationship, it would stir up again. I was like, I don't want that. And literally it needed some freedom. And it was a very simple thing. It was literally having a laying on in hands, confessing it, releasing it, picturing that window being open, saying, get out, you're not welcome here. And then you walk in the freedom being cleansed by the word of God. Of all the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that keep those, it's like the locks on the door. I feel like it's almost like the locks on the doors and the windows. It's that washing. So I just kind of wanted to bring, because even as we're talking about some of this very heightened spiritual, despite this topic, we want to also give some context to practically what does that look like and how can you walk in freedom. So I know I just no, it's moved really off for a good. second, but... Yep. That's really I'm good. I'm loving this yeah. topic together. Oh, no, that's so, so good. I know one time I had a dream and this was like a night dream. I just dreamt this in the middle of the night, but it sort of gave me this imagery around the, the supernatural. And I don't know if it's exactly like this. This was just a dream. I don't see this specifically in scripture. So again, it's just trying to help me understand and kind of wrap my head around something I, I cannot see with my eyes. I can't see it with my natural eyes. Um, but I had this dream one time about um, these little, like, demonic creatures. They were very, very, very small. They had a very ugly face. Like, they were ugly in the face, but they were very, very small and almost felt like they were not that powerful. Like, they were not as powerful as what I would have imagined them to be. They were small. Um, and they were sort of just hopping around on the outside. And so as, you know, in my dream, as they were on a certain person and, and, and as this person was um, engaging in sin, it was like I could see them sort of bouncing. And as the sin continued, it was like at some point, and I didn't, it, it didn't specifically show at what point, but at some point around habitual sin, the, the little squatters, as you called them, and that's exactly what they look like, these little squatters were able to penetrate. So, mm-hmm. but 
at first they were just bouncing, like they were just close by, almost like they were instigators or influencers of these decisions. And then they kept bouncing and they kept bouncing. And at some point along the way, and I, and I think for everyone, that point is different. I think for some, depending on what it is, it can happen right away. And I think for others, and I'm talking about habitual sin now, um, it can be, you know, it can take years. But at some point they penetrated almost like a tick. So like in my dream, if you've ever seen a tick in somebody, it, you know, there's a part of the tick that's out and there's a part of the tick that's embedded. And I mean, it's in, you can't, you can't get it out. You've got to like pluck it out, like very with, with a lot of force. And so it was exactly like that. It was trying to penetrate and it was just waiting for an opportunity to penetrate. And it was just an interesting sort of imagery around, you know, as we're disobedient, sort of what's taking place in the spiritual realm that the, there's an influence, you know, in our disobedience that we're so often just not aware of. We're just not aware that, that that's, we're being influenced mm -hmm. to make those kinds of decisions. And then eventually it's going to penetrate and then it's mm. going to start to take up. That is powerful. Yeah. That's a powerful imagery. Yeah. Just yeah. to think about how that can happen. Yeah. And that, like you said, at any point, like it's different for everybody, but just picturing that, like as we continue to walk in disobedience. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's powerful. And so in the scriptures, we see what happened in the Garden of Eden was sin entered the world and Satan awakened Eve to pride, to ego, to be like God, to have the ability to judge what is good and evil. And that, again, was the sole desire of Satan from the very beginning. He literally projected onto Eve the very, like his identity, who he is at the core of who he is, wanting to be like God, this temptation to bring others on this sinful pride-like journey of being like God, of knowing what God knows, of, you know, of believing that somehow God is holding out on us, that there's something more for you, that you can be something better, that if you just throw the restraint off of obedience, that you're going to experience something oh, that wow. you've been missing all of this time. And that's exactly how the enemy works. And our unawareness of this conflict makes us believe that the decisions that we make, that the way we feel and the way we think and our opinions and you know, even what we see in the world around us and how we sort of, how we sort of try to understand that we feel right and we feel justified in all of those things. And this is the pride, but it's also this knowledge of good and evil that we're constantly trying to make sense of everything that's happening in the world. And we think we're right every time. This is what happened in the very, very beginning. And so the story of redemption began in the scriptures with law, but it's not just about breaking law. It's not just about the Ten Commandments. Then Jesus came to earth, and not only did he confront about the law, but he said, no, I'm going to go right to the motive. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually confront not just do, do you break the law, I'm going to confront the motive of why. And he said things like, you know, if you've even thought about adultery, if you have lusted, even just with your eyes, if you've just looked, you didn't even do anything, you've committed the sin. He literally took it to a whole other level altogether to confront us of the wickedness and the sinfulness that is within us. Because it isn't just about our actions. It isn't just about what is happening on the external. What is happening in our heart is exactly where sin begins. And so that's where that wrestle is taking place. And Jesus confronted this. He, conf he went right to the heart of this. And the religious people, who again were the law keepers, the most righteous of the day, hated this. Mm -hmm. Because all of a the sudden they were lumped in with everybody else, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lowest of society, the greatest sinners of all. All of a the sudden they were lumped in because... They recognized that the motives of their heart were definitely not always pure. Even though they could do good actions on the outside, mm. what was happening in the heart place revealed the true nature of our sin. And I think, again, it's going to be hard for us on this side of eternity to fully grasp or fully understand the full realm of the spirit. Um, but we see its effects every day and we need to pray 
for eyes to be able to see, spiritual eyes to see and spiritual eyes to be able to discern what is happening in the spiritual realm and the effects that that's having on us. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, can you read that? Do you have that one? Yeah. Yeah, can you read that scripture? Because again, I think it gives us such powerful, powerful scriptural base for what we're called to do. Yes. So Ephesians 6, verse 10, I'll just read on a little bit further from that. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armors that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And then it goes on to talk about the actual armor of God. And that is exactly what we need every single day. You know, when the enemy tempts us with pride, which is probably the root of all sin, Mm -hmm. really, it's Mm -hmm. the root of all sin. He's tempting us with the very thing that he wants. That's who he is. That's in his nature. And he gets every single one of us that way. Every single one of us. Every one of us. We're... (laughs) Our nature is fallen, and so we fall into this pride every time. It's probably the core of all of our sin. so true. And the extension of our sin comes from pride first and then extends out into other spaces and other places. And daily, daily, we need to lay down, submit to God, resist the devil. Okay, Lord, every day I lay down my pride. I lay down the very nature of myself that wants to be seen, that wants significance, that wants glory, that wants praise, that wants acknowledgement, that needs to be right, that thinks they know better than other people or knows the way of the world. What I have to lay that down. I submit that to you and I submit to your lordship. I submit to your knowledge. I submit to what your word says. I submit to obedience. I lay that down every single day. We've got to come from that posture because this is the space that the enemy is going to try to get us every time. That is so powerful. And I love that because it even talks about the armor of God as you're talking about that specific things like putting on the belt of truth and it's so, it's so powerful. You think of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, for shoes, putting on peace that come from the good news. So you think we've got truth, we've got righteousness, we have peace. And then it talks about being fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. But it's not like, it's just powerful as God just kind of says, this is, I've already given you all the protection you need to fight against the enemy. You can't see it, but I can. And I've given you already provided. And as you're saying with our pride and our sin, all that we fall into, when we actually align ourselves, we come humbly. That's a beautiful part of repentance and confession because we can just change that right away. There's a place to bring that, that we can walk in truth. We can walk in righteousness. We can walk in peace and we can actually put on the helmet of salvation, which is the way of thinking. When you think of that, like that's a really, even I was just reading that, I think what a profound revelation when you think of thinking through the lens of salvation, the humility of what's been given to us, but also the authority that's been given through Christ. So that's powerful. The armor of God is provided to every believer. And then it goes on to saying like the, the, the shield of faith and the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When we actually quote, because even when you see when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him with pretty much everything, we're t- when you sum up the, the three big questions, it's kind of what we're tempted with in every little bit. What did Jesus do? He actually quotes back the word of God. Yeah, his sword. He had his sword out. I mean, so for me, I'm like, if I feel that, we just start to pick up our sword. Exactly. And we quote the word. It is, and it says the word of God is a two-edged sword. It talks about the word of God being a sword. And so no matter what you're facing today, 
you have a sword that you can fight with. It's been provided. And so I just love that you brought in Ephesians 6 because we have been already provided with all that heaven resource has resourced us with through the armor of God and in the word of God and the power of this Holy Spirit. So, so powerful. But again, it's significant, right? What is it? What is it saying? It's armor. It's armor. And it's armor because we're in a war. We're in a war. Like it is a battle. And so again, this is the revelation. This is the understanding. You know, sometimes it can feel exhausting following Jesus. Sometimes it can feel tiring. Well, I understand that. Because there's a battle going on between your flesh and your spirit. So that can be tiring. That can be tiring for sure. But the scriptures give us the answers to every kind of sin and evil. Firstly, our own participation with sin. Secondly, any pain that we've experienced as a result of others. And thirdly, just the pain and the turmoil that comes from the testing of our faith or just mm. the, the work of evil in the world around us. And I love this, okay? So it is repentance, confession healing, submission, obedience, crucify your flesh and its desires, die to yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Is it intense? Yes, it's really intense. The word of God gives us answers for the evil, but it's intense. Why? Because it's a war. We're in a war. We have to remember that. But this is our promise. This is our promise on the other side. It is salvation, it is redemption, it's forgiveness, it's authority over darkness, it's freedom, liberty, life, spiritual gifts, love. I could go on and on and on and on. Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Anybody can acknowledge our world is a broken place. It absolutely is. You don't even have to be a Christian to agree that our world is a broken place. But Christ has given us an answer. An answer in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the struggle. He has given us the promise of freedom, but not the absence of struggle. Mm, that's so good. There, say, that's really, say that again. I feel like that's a powerful line. Yes. God has given us freedom and life, but not in the absence of struggle. There isn't going to be an absence of struggle on this side of eternity. Our lives are going to be a struggle because there's a war that's taking place. There's a war taking place over our soul. There's a war taking place over the souls of everyone else on this earth. There's a war taking place. There's a battle. The enemy is trying to pull more and more people to his side. And God desires that more and more and more, not, that not one, that not one would perish. For God so loved the entire world, every single person that he sent his only son as a propitiation for our sin, to literally take away and remove the stain of sin, you know, from every single one of us so that we could have all of these things that the scriptures promise, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we could have life, that we could have joy, that we could have peace. And God literally gives us the fruit of the spirit as we walk in the spirit. That's what we receive. Yes, we're in a battle, but our promise is the fruit of the spirit. It's love and joy and peace and patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's what the Word Beautiful. of God promises us. And so that's our goal. That's our desire. And I know, and you know, that this is a battle because we fall all the time. For yes. all have sinned and fallen short. And we all fall short. And you don't have to be discouraged when you fall short. In fact, when you fall short, let it be a reminder of why Jesus had to do what he had to do. He had to do what he had to do for us because we could not do it for ourselves. And so let that be a reminder of the fullness of the grace of God, the covering of God, the redemption of God, as we again, freshly submit the fullness of our will to him, submit our fleshly desires, submit all the wrestle that's going on inside and all the fallenness within us, submit that to him, lay that down and trust his full redemption over our lives. This is the beauty of the promise. Not that we're discouraged in that place, but actually it's a reminder of how much we need Jesus and how much we need our salvation. I love that, Lori. And you know, it talks about working out, like you're talking about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. 
you know, it's not so much that we're, we're questioning, are we saved or is it, you know, am I saved today? Am I not saved today? Like growing up, we used to watch some of the movies like back in the day when it would be about like Jesus coming back. I'd be like, I'm not saved. I need to get saved again. No, our, our salvation is sure. But even as you're talking, I'm thinking of that scripture and that is part of the working out. Salvation is a gift. It's an inheritance that we receive. A promise. A promise. A covenantal promise. Yes. That we can hold on to. But the working out of our salvation is walking out our salvation. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Those tensions of falling, but then it's repentance. It's like our weakness, but God is strong. It's about all of those tensions working. It's not about perfection. It's about sanctification. That we're always growing and we're always becoming more like Jesus and allowing his transformation to come because we will not be perfect on this side. I love that you were just talking about, you know, that struggle of sin because it's not about perfection. And I think like early in the days, like some of that legalism and all those things were like, if I can only do this and this and this, then I'll be right with God. God looks at the heart. And yes, those outward things are important, but it all should be a reflection of what's happening inside. So, you know, as you're listening, may you hear that God is not asking you for perfection. He's not asking that. He's asking for you to submit and to walk in the sanctification process, which is being transformed to become more like Jesus, that we want to walk in his holiness. We want to become more like him. And because of that, it's a constant work. It'll be a work until our last breath here on earth. It's part of the sanctification process. But that's the working out of our salvation with fear and trembling that we don't diminish the power of sin either. That we just don't justify and say, oh, it's not a big deal. Like it's when Holy Spirit puts his finger on something, it's a big deal. And it's that that fear should be there that I am susceptible. Like I am, that's how quickly I fall. Like literally. That will just take, could take me out of so many things. So that fear and trembling is not giving more power to the enemy, but it's recognizing the power of darkness within us is very dark. It's very deep and we are susceptible to that, but we allow the light of the cross and that sanctification to fill us. We can walk in the fullness of God, but it is a process. It is a working out in our lives of diminishing and starving the flesh and walking in the spirit. So even as we're talking about the spiritual realm, that happens within us because we're bad. We've talked about that before. We're naturally bad. And so that fear and trembling is really to say, I am needing the cross. I, that, that humility to say, my fear is what I can do to myself. It's literally what I can actually allow to happen to myself because that's how blind I am and that's how selfish and prideful I am, that we need the fear of God and the fear of the Holy Spirit in a good way to say like, I need that. I can't do this. So just even bringing, I just felt just to share that because that's a scripture I just felt is really powerful in the tensions we work out in our lives. So, so good. Okay. So let's make this really, really practical for a moment. Like how do you personally walk out this awareness of the the spiritual conflict or the spiritual warfare that's kind of taking place around your life. And, and as you're just living it out day to day, what does that sort of look like as you're fleshing all of that out and, and, and battling through that? What does it look like to battle through this, this warfare, this conflict that's taking place between your flesh and your spirit or between darkness and light, between the evil one and God within you, God's spirit within you? How do you sort of work that out? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, and I think it comes right back to spending time with the Lord and in his word, time in prayer, time listening, time repenting, your spiritual disciplines. That sets the stage for that tenderness and the voice of God to have that space to speak to you. Because that's where it begins. It always begins in the presence of our King. And He desperately wants to lead us. And so as we follow Him, and then as we give that time to Him through the day, I think we've talked many times about, you know, we feel that inkling or we feel that check. I I always say it's almost like a check. You just feel like a little twinge. Don't diminish it. I've learned. Every time I diminish it, it ends up being something that gets out of control. It is a reason why the Holy Spirit does that. And We've talked about for some, there's black and white things in scripture that God tells us about, but there's things in my own sinful nature that God knows is a bait. So what may be okay for you to be able to do will not be okay for me. And so I've got to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when I feel that twinge, whether it's I've said something about somebody, 
to right away say, you know what, I shouldn't have said that. I confess that. I, if I'm talking to someone to say, I should not have said that. I repent of doing that. I ask your forgiveness. I just gossiped or I just spoke about someone in a way that I should not have. Those type of things. If it's something I've done pro- like before the Lord that I've sinned, whatever it may be. It's confessing. It's walking in that place of repentance and just allowing, constantly asking God to say, show me, show me. Open my eyes to see. Guide me. Lead me because we are the blind. Lead them. I can't lead myself. So I think as we spend that time with the King, as we spend time absorbing his word and asking the Holy Spirit and giving from permission to say, show me, reveal to me, correct me, align me, he will faithfully do that. And then our response is what our we're responsible for. We can't see. So we don't always know. When we know, that's a different story, but we we don't always know. And there's times that the Lord will bring something to mind. I'm like, wow, I, I would not have even thought of it like that. But he is very faithful to guide us if we give that space and that place with him. Right, right. So that's, how about for you, Lori? Yeah, that's very practical. I, I think, you know, again, if we're not in the word of God, I, I actually don't think we can live victorious mm-hmm. over, I think we're just going to sort of be dragged around. I think we're going to be just sort of dragged around by the enemy because the thing is, if we don't know how to be obedient to, to God by reading his word and by understanding like what he's asking us to do, then it's very hard to live out a victorious walk with God. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that if people aren't in their word regularly, if they don't know the word of God, that they're not saved. I think there's a grace that comes over us under salvation that God, you know, puts over our lives. But there's a a, a victorious space of really experiencing the fullness of what salvation means for our lives that comes out of, like you said, spending that time with God, being in the word of God, understanding what it says, understanding what that means for our lives, allowing God's word to bring conviction. You know, when you said a minute ago, you know, we're bad. We're, we're, we're bad and need to be made good. You know, for a lot of people, we don't believe that we're actually bad because we're constantly comparing ourselves to people that are worse than us. Mm-hmm. And so that makes mm-hmm. us feel like we're not bad. But the truth is the only comparison there is, is us to a perfect and holy God who is perfectly just, who loves in perfection, who has never, ever, ever failed. That's the only comparison that there is. And so in light of God's holiness, yes, we're fallen and broken and bad within us. We're sinful inside of us. And it's not about like, oh, well, Rhonda, she's such a good person as compared to what? No, we only compare to the holiness of God because that's who our eyes are fixed on. That's who we're wanting to be more like. That is the only comparison that is going to help us to, to find the fullness of who we've been created to be. And so if we're not in God's word, we're really not going to be able to understand what is standing in the way. But I do think, and I really, really encourage anybody that's listening, that again, if there are things in your life that you just feel like you just keep going around the mountain again and again and again on the same thing, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's an anger issue, and you just like every time something happens, you just feel this fiery anger that rises up inside of you. And even though you don't want it to be there, you can't seem to control it. It could be anything. It could be jealousy. There could be just this jealous part of you that whenever such and such a thing happens, or maybe it's only in one relationship in your life with this friendship or this family member and jealousy rises up inside of you and you don't want it to be there, but you can't get rid of it. I really encourage you, confront those things. Confess that to someone you trust and pray. And there's a simple prayer. There's a very simple prayer that you can pray. I break the stronghold of and put whatever it is, jealousy, unforgiveness, anger, whatever it is. I mean, the scriptures are full of lists of things that are not from God. If you have worry, if you have stress, and I mean, you just feel, feel that stress anxiety inside of you all the time and you can't get rid of it, I break in the name of Jesus the stronghold of stress 
over my life. I command it to go in Jesus' name. It needs to go because I belong to God. I'm a child of God. It has no place inside of me. Just begin to offer. But it's important to confess it. It's important to do it in the presence of someone else. It's important to have hands laid on you. And then to have that person pray, Holy Spirit, now fill. Now fill that part that you just released, that you just confessed, that you just gave to God. Listen, this is not complicated. God gave us authority over the strongholds in our lives. The scriptures are all over telling us that we have this. And so we need to walk in this authority because that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He already paid the price. And so we can walk in this authority. But you need to do it with someone that you love and someone that you trust. And I encourage you to lean into that. Don't just live with things that you don't want to live with, that you know are less than what God has for you. Lean into this, press into this, and receive the freedom that God has for you. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That is so powerful, Lori. So I think in closing, we're just encouraging us all to dive deep into the promises of God and to know how much God loves you. And as you said that too, there can be many watching that you don't even know how to read the Bible. You're not sure. There are so many resources out there. But if you're a real hands-on, find someone in your local church and really literally ask them to walk through a a book of the Bible with you and just to do a Bible study together. But there are so many resources out there to understand the word of God. We don't have to not be able to understand the word. There's so much out there, YouTube videos and people walking you through simply, but find a resource or find someone that you can walk through the Bible because there is so much that we need to take hold of, Mm -hmm. but we can't take hold of it if we don't know it. Yep. Or join us for Heartstrong. Oh, Heartstrong. <laughs> yeah, this is a perfect segue, Lori. Do you want to do another plug to, uh, no, to Heartstrong? No, no. But yes, you can join us for Heartstrong. We'd love for you to join us. It's all about discipleship. It really all is exactly. all about confronting these things that are not of God and really growing in who we are in Christ and the disciplines of training for this spiritual war that we're in. This is really the heart of of what it's all about. The other thing I just want to mention today is that, um, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you hear us using words like watching, we're actually... expanding some of our podcasts on a video podcast on YouTube, on Awakening Moments on YouTube. Yes. And so you can look up Awakening Moments podcast on YouTube. And if you want to watch the podcast, you can watch it. So if you hear us and you're listening audio and you hear us say watch, that's why, because we are recording some of our podcasts on video as well. And so you can check that out if you like YouTube and uh, it's fun. We're just continuing to grow. That's right. It's so, and yeah, it's a bit more pressure because before we were joking, we would come in early in the morning with just like toques on our head, be 6.30 in the morning, coffee in hand. And now we actually have to get up and like do our hair. We don't have a makeup or hair team. I mean, maybe we should. But anyways, we have to, yeah, but it's such, it's such a joy to actually see it on video and to be able to share. So now we can really have coffee with you. Yeah. Yeah. In person, you can see us, put us up on the TV and we'll have a coffee together. Yeah. That's our heart. That's our heart. We love it. Well, today, as we close, we just want to remind you that your King is trustworthy to follow. And he is asking you today to follow him. Would you follow him through the scriptures? Would you follow him on a journey to know his heart, to know his provision and to know the authority and the protection he has given you through the work of his son, through the cross of Jesus Christ. So may you know your king is calling you today. And remember, hold your position in Christ. Your position is one of authority. It's one of authority over the spiritual realm of darkness. And so hold on to that position. Don't be defeated. You are not defeated. Jesus defeated our enemy on the cross. And you have that same authority that he has given you because of his blood, because of his grace, because of salvation, full redemption, and all of his promises. So hold your position in Christ and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you for joining us today on the Awakening Moments podcast. We pray that you are filled with hope and joy as you navigate the challenges of life. And we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast or share it with your friends. And remember, you are so loved by God and he is always with you.